City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to part two of the All Hornets Podcast Network live draft night reaction. Um, safe to say this did not go as planned. Um, me and Chase jumped back on for the 45th pick at the time, which became the 40th pick, which we'll talk about in a minute. And um, we spoke for about 40 minutes. Um, after the recording, the file corrupted and Chase, bless him, did everything he could to try and retrieve this, including being on contact to Zoom support for I don't know however long into the early hours in the morning and it didn't work. So um, this is a, this is not quite the live reaction podcast we had. We managed to get McGowan's trade live on air. And the really frustrating thing is both me and Chase were talking about how Bryce McGowan's would be a great option at 45, uh, probably for about five minutes. And then they literally traded for him after we just finished our spiel. And it was like we'd seen the future and we were like, this has worked out perfectly. So it's a real shame to miss that. Uh, but I'm going to give you just a bit of a kind of solo recap on the Bryce McGowan selection in the second round. Some kind of, let's call it some calmer, more composed thoughts on the Jalen Duran and Mark Williams selections uh, in the first round. But if you listen to part one already, uh, yeah, we could have, could have maybe been a little bit more composed there. That's, that's fair to say. That's fair to say for feedback. And then also we're just going to talk a little bit about some of the kind of Mitch Kupchak comments at the end of the draft and where it kind of sits for Charlotte going forward. <coughs> so, Bryce McGowan's uh, was selected with a 40th overall pick. Charlotte traded uh, number 46 in this year's draft and a 2023 second round pick that belongs to the Knicks to move up to select Bryce McGowan's. Um, that one of those 2023 second round picks that they traded was part of the Jalen Duran trade, which we'll come to in a little bit. Um, so they essentially moved two picks to go up and get the guy. Um, Mitch Kupchak said after the draft that they had Bryce McGowan's much higher. That's the quote. Um, a lot of people had first round grades in Bryce McGowan's in the draft world, so it would not surprise me if Charlotte had a first round grade in him. Um, and Mitch Kupchak kind of said that they scrambled to get him and they only moved up six spots in the draft and they gave up a future second to do it, but that just shows what they think of Bryce McGowan's. And Bryce McGowan's is uh, a local North Carolina kid. Um, I think quite a few people in the Hornets staff knew him, Mitch Kupchak said, and they've been aware from him for a while. So who is Bryce McGowan's? Uh, Bryce McGowan's is a, he's 19 and a half years old, 6'7 wing, 6'8 wingspan, and he's kind of a combo guard, he, even though he's that big, he's got really good size position. He very much kind of very comfortable handling the ball. Um, he's actually got a really interesting handle. For someone who's 6'7", he's got great footwork. Um, it is able to get into a lot of kind of quite advanced dribble moves um, and uses his body really well. And the first thing you have to start with Bryce McGowan's discussing anything 
is his ability to draw fouls. Um, he has, I think, a 36% foul rate. He averaged uh, 6.3 free throws per game. That's not per 36 minutes. That's just per game. Uh, and he converted those in 83%. And he's just great at getting into the lane, using his size, using his handle to draw contra contact. How will that translate to the NBA, where there's obviously a lot more bigger, more talented defenders? Uh, that's something to monitor. But foul drawing is something that is normally a good indicator of kind of success uh, getting to the rim. It is one of those things that seems to translate pretty well. So... Yeah, that, that's kind of the first place to start with Bryce McGowan's is his ability to, to get to the line. He only shot 27.5% from three, but he was a freshman this year on a Nebraska team, which, let's be honest, uh, was lacking talent. And he was by far the best player. He was number one on the scouting report every night. It's really hard to compare him to someone like uh, AJ Griffin, who was on Duke, who you know, was surrounded by Bancaro, Mark Williams, Wendell Moore, Jeremy Roach. Uh, all these talented players, they weren't always able to kind of key in on AJ Griffin. Bryce McGowan's was in a completely uh, different uh, scenario. Um, so he did only shoot 27% on three. Some of his shot selection was not the best, but he was a kind of go-to scorer late in the shot clock, which happened quite a lot on this Nebraska team. Um, I, I think he is a better shooter. You, you, if you go back and you'll watch some of the tape now, like he can get to his shot just about any time he wants, which is kind of the risk with him because he just kind of did it whenever he wanted. But in a, you know, in the NBA, he's going to be more of a catch and shoot player. He's going to be more of a cutter, and he, and he did cut really well at Nebraska. He kind of leveraged when people were playing really high up on him to to get to the rim. Um, I think he will be a much better shooter in the NBA. In fact, I've got no doubt that he's at least a 30% a shooter for his career in the NBA. Um, in terms of his defense, I definitely think some question marks here. He's got definitely good size for a combo guard, 6'7", 6'8", wingspan. But his steal and block rates in college were pretty poor. Um, it's one of those where you can maybe hope that you can point to him being... Uh, on a team where he was absolutely everything on offense, he had quite a high usage rate, so he wasn't able to put in the effort defensively. That's what you can hope for. If we're being honest, he, he's never going to be a kind of defense first player, I don't think. He is a combo scoring guard. That's what he's going to be known for. Um, that's what you're drafting him for. Um, so uh, that's kind of the general scout on Bryce McGowan's. Where does he fit in the roster? Because this kind of confused a lot of people earlier in the night. Mitch Kupchak said, there's only so many room, so much room for young players on the roster. That's why we, we didn't feel we wanted to take two young players at 13 and 15. And then you trade back in to take another guy in the second round, which makes you think, well, just take the young guys at 13 and 15 and don't have the second rounder. But what Mitch Kupchak mentioned after the draft was that he's probably going to be on a two-way, which... It's probably a little bit surprising because normally when people come out after their freshman year out of college, they don't often end up on two ways. Um, they kind of normally go back to school if that's their kind of draft range to be on a two way. But Bryce on a two way immediately is a much higher caliber prospect than Scott Lewis or Arnoldus Kuboka. I mean, to give this some perspective, when Arnoldus Kuboka was drafted, he was a borderline undrafted player, like 50 plus was his range. Same as Scotty Lewis as well. They're both on two ways. 
Bryce McGowan's legitimately had like first round buzz in this draft earlier in the process and over the course of the college season. So what this does mean is one of Scotty Lewis and one of Arnold Escoboca won't be back on two ways next year. Uh, my preference there would probably be to bring Scotty Lewis back, um, just because I, I just don't know if Arnold Escoboca is ever going to be able to defend at the level we need, especially this team needs, kind of projecting forward in the next two, three, four years. I, I just don't see a way we can get Kloboka out there in, in lineups and not just hemorrhage points defensively. And uh, Scotty Lewis still has a tool set, which I think is more long-term projectable to have a role as kind of a defensive agitator. Like you could, I mean, this is feels lazy, but you could really see him potentially trying to be a Gary Payton type player. Um, who you know is just elite defensively, elite athlete. Takes some time to figure out how to fight, leverage his skills and athleticism in, in positive ways, and he certainly needs to keep doing that because last season in Greensboro wasn't great. It wasn't terrible, but um, he certainly needs to make strides, become a more efficient player, become a more um, a better defensive player and make more impact is that his effort was always high but he, he didn't always make the positive impact you'd hope on the defensive end so one of those guys is not going to be a two-way um we'll probably find out pretty soon because they will announce the summer league roster here in probably the next week or so and i'm guessing whoever isn't going to be on the two-way may not even be on the summer league team so one of scott lewis one of kaboka may not be on the summer league team and being honest i wouldn't lose sleep over if it was Scotty Lewis who got moved for Bryce McGowns in the two-way. Um, I, I don't feel really great about either of those guys long forward, uh, going forward. So I'm, I'm not going to be out here, you know, saying the Hornets have made a massive mistake if it goes either way. But that's my thoughts on how it would happen. Um, so general thoughts on Bryce McGowns. We really like the pick. Uh, me and Chase were talking about this before they uh, drafted him. Chase had Bryce McGowan's 20 on his board, and we started recording around the 35th pick, and I said to Chase, who's the highest guy on your board right now who's left? And he said, Bryce McGowan's up at 20, which um, to get your 20th ranked guy at 40 is a massive win. So Chase was absolutely buzzing with his pick. He said, best case scenario in the second round, and it made him feel a lot better about the draft. Um, I had Bryce McGowan's 28 on my board, so again, we both had first round grades on him and to get him in the 40s, um, I, I really like that move from Charlotte. Um, and they've got so many of those second round picks going forward now for the Jalen Duran trade, which I did promise we will come on to. Um, I, I don't mind using one of those as draft capital to move up and go get a guy who you really believe in. So that's everything Bryce McGowan's. Look forward to probably seeing him mostly in Greensboro this year, but I would say he's probably the premier two-way player that the Charlotte Hornets have probably have. I know Caleb Martin was signed a two-way and ended up becoming a guaranteed roster. Jalen McDaniels at one point was going to be, but he got made into a full roster pretty early in the process. Um, I would say he's the best prospect the Hornets have ever had on a two-way. Um, so yeah, I'm look, really looking forward to see Bryce McGowan's play. Um, okay, let's circle back to the first round selections now, which I'm hoping you've gone and listened back to our uh, part one episode. If you want, our, that is our live reactions on the night. That was a lot of fun. We had me, Chase, we had Tim and Mark from Hornets and Heartbreak, and we had uh, Nick Denning, good old friend of of the show at the Hive Live, and 
joined us to talk draft as well. Um, it's it's safe. <coughs> sorry, it's safe to say we were all kind of hoping that Duran was going to fall to Charlotte thirteen. It kind of inched closer, closer. It did. We selected him, and then two minutes later, he was traded. And there was a lot of mixed reporting, which made it really difficult to analyze live on air the quality of the deal. Um, and we actually paused it and came back, which I was happy we did. That was a, a, a really good thing by us because it made more sense. But what we didn't know at the time is we still thought we were getting the 2025 first round pick from the Milwaukee Bucks, even when we came back for kind of the second part of part one. Bear with me there. I know that got confusing. Um, but it was actually a 2023 first round pick via Denver, which I believe is lottery protected, which Denver shouldn't be in the lottery next year. Um, They've obviously got two-time MVP Nikola Jokic, but they've got Jamal Murray coming back, Michael Porter coming back. Um, they, I'd be pretty shocked. There'd have to be injuries for them to fall back down into lottery. But I think it's kind of safe to say it's probably going to be in the 20 to 30 range, depending on how the West goes next year. So you're talking about a, a 20s first-round pick plus four seconds, which one of them has not been now used for Bryce McGowan's, so you have to factor that in. Um, so left in terms of what they've got left in assets are three seconds which are mostly in the 2023 draft as well which they're not going to use all those picks but they're going to use those to try and offload salary facilitate other trades you know they used uh, a second round pick for that Montrose Harrell trade at the deadline so they're just replenishing that asset list and you know I prefer this way of going about things than selling second round picks which is what seemed to used to happen pretty regularly and I think if you went into draft night and you told me that before knowing that Jalen Durham was available and before knowing what the New York Knicks got for the 11th pick, if you told me yesterday that we were going to come out with Mark Williams, a first round pick next year in the 2023 draft, which is one of the most loaded drafts everyone has been talking about for years, not just at the top, but in terms of depth as well which Charlotte may not have a pick next year because it could be going to New York. It is protected. I believe it might be top 16 protected, top 14 protected. I, I don't have the details right off the top of my head right now. But we now have a pick in every draft going forward, um, which Mitch Kupchak stressed the importance of that because uh, they, they still want to build through the draft. They still see the draft as key to adding to their team. Um, so... Mark Williams, a 2023 first round pick, uh, three second round picks, and Bryce McGowan's. I would have said, I, that sounds like a great night. Um, I, I probably would have given that a B plus. I think that's put this on Twitter last night. And I would have said, great, I'll, I'll take that. That makes a lot of sense. Um, the challenging thing for me is, and someone asked me on, this, on the same Twitter post, I posted and said, what if they just taken AJ Griffin at 13 and Jalen Durant at 15? What would you have done then? Um, and I would have said, and, and then you could have taken Bryce McGowan's later and used another second trade. I said I would have been an A++. I, you know, I don't understand this idea that we don't want to have too many young players on the roster. Um, in my opinion, Durant is the, the level of prospect and Griffin that... I would take those two guys and fine, if you're worried about having too many young players, move some of the other young players. That's what I would look to do. Um, try and find out what you can get for, I don't know, Jalen McDaniels or Kai Jones or James Bucknight, Nick Richards. Um, 
I just don't see why, and this is why it comes down to your, your prospect rankings. Uh, Mitch Kupchak obviously didn't feel that Griffin, Durham were necessarily better prospects than guys on our roster. Like there's, It's perfectly understandable now that they've gone the route they have that maybe they just think Kai Jones has a higher ceiling than Jalen Durham, which probably goes against the consensus thinking, but it only takes one team and one set of scouts to think a certain way. Um, so I, I think knowing the paths of what were available and then you see that New York got three first round picks for 11 and we only get one and sorry, the Hornets only got one and four first round picks for 13. You also compare that as well and think, well, that's not right, you know, but those first round picks that New York's got are a lot of them are lottery protected, top 18 protected and they turn into second round picks. So it's kind of difficult to know for sure if they will actually get those first, three first round picks. It always sounds a lot better on the tweet when you see the first reporting than it might play out. So it's, it's hard to know right now. I still think that New York deal has a higher upside because a couple of those lottery protected first are from the likes of Washington who I think could quite easily not be in the lottery uh, in the next few, uh, in the years. Um, so I, I still think I'd probably prefer that deal. But Duran versus Mark Williams is a debate that people have been having all draft. I had Duran ranked 8th. I had Mark Williams ranked 11th. I, I did feel they were in slightly different tiers. I felt like Duran was the home run swing. And this is the confusing thing. As Mitch Kupchak said earlier in the night, we have to take home runs. We have to take swings in the draft as a small market team. That's how we're going to build. Jalen Duran is the swing. Mark Williams didn't feel like it, but you hear Mitch Kupchuk talk about the draft selections and he kept talking, he kept using the phrase a lot last night, we addressed our main need, rebounding and rim protection. And I really do feel like the Hornets have broken the cardinal rule right now of drafting for need. Um, I think Mark Williams does fit better with what they need right now because he is a, a more complete defensive player and he's probably plug and play with LaMelo Ball. Jalen Duran might not have been that. He's one of the youngest prospects in this year's draft. It is perfectly understandable that it would have taken him some time, more time I think than Williams to get up to speed. And I, you know, Mitch Kupchak, you also used the phrase, we want to take a jump next year. We want to be a playoff team. And I think Charlotte may have looked at Mark Williams and felt he can help us get there sooner. Um, and he fits more of what this roster needs right now, which I don't necessarily disagree with that. But for me, I always want to take the home run swing. And Jalen Duran versus Mark Williams is going to now go down. You can put this in permanent marker for Charlotte Hornets fans. In five years, in 10 years, in 20 years, we're going to be looking back at this and going... Which way did this go? Because this is a fork in the road moment that Charlotte chose their centre of the future and they had the pick between the two premier options in the draft and they picked the one that the majority of the draft world and scouts had lower than the other. Um, and that's that's a, a bold move by them. Like They can't just give in to what consensus have and I promise you that. All these people who had Durham ranked higher who are like me, cover the draft, analyze the draft. 
the Hornet Scouts will have done 10 times the work we have. You know, we can't pretend here that we are on the same level of, of scouting. We have the same amount of time. We have the same access to intel about the player. We've never met the player. We've never had the chance to interview them. Um, it does seem like Jalen Duran cancelled his workouts in Charlotte. It doesn't feel like he really wanted to be there. Um, that, you know, that came out before the draft that he cancelled workouts. It really felt like he wanted to end up in Detroit. Um, I, I wonder if that also played into their thinking. Well, Mark Williams is desperate to be back in North Carolina. Jalen Duran doesn't want to be here. If you're 50-50, I can, I can understand that. I will also say, Mitch Kupchak mentioned about uh, Mark Williams fitting into our locker room. And Mark Williams is a really low maintenance guy. I don't think you need to worry about Mark Williams complaining about not getting the ball. You know, he's not going to be saying, I need to get more shots. He's going to do all the little things and he's going to be happy to do them. Um, Jalen Duran, you know, he viewed himself as one of the top high school prospects. He's calling for the ball. He's wanting to ISO, take turnaround fadeaways. Um, I, I wonder if they kind of wanted someone with more of that mindset of low maintenance. Let me try and help the stars be the stars rather than Jalen Duran, who maybe wanted to be the star himself. Um, Again, that's all about drafting for need when you take those kind of things into account, which which isn't something I'm a big proponent of because I just think you can look back in the years' times and you go, oh yeah, we, you know, last year the Indiana Pacers drafted Chris Duarte for need because they wanted a win-now player. So they went for the senior, the older player. And look at them 12 months later. They're in the middle of a rebuild. And they've now got Chris Duarte, who I, I like Chris Duarte. I think he's a good player. But the whole reason they drafted him for need has now changed and things can change that quickly in the NBA. So for me, that's just a, a, a risky move. Um, so overall, I think I would give the draft a, a B plus. It's just a path not traveled where I think it could have been an absolute home run draft. Um, but but overall, for, for the value they got, it's okay. I, I always like having another team's first round pick, you know, We've all become anti-Denver Nuggets fans for the next season. The higher the pick is, the better. Um, and just some final thoughts here on the coaching situation because Mitch Kupchuk was asked about this in his post-draft media availability. Uh, a couple of interesting quotes that I picked out here. He said, well, first he asked, what day is it? <laughs> Which is hilarious because uh, he was asking it in terms of relations of when is free agency. And he was like asking the side, he was like, what, what day is it? When is free agency? <laughs> Uh, which was just like, you're in the middle of like the busiest off-season period. Surely you should know exactly how long it is. Uh, I mean, look, I'm sure he's had probably about less sleep than I have. I had about three hours sleep tonight uh, after I went to bed and had to get up for work. Um, so we'll, we'll give him the pass there. But he said, maybe we'll have a coach in, within six days, i.e. before free agency. Maybe it's 10 days. He kind of said it in a way like, I'm just not sure. Um, he mentioned that they're going back over candidates, some that they've already interviewed, and some that are new. And someone said to him before, could you could it be a head candidate that you've you've not spoken to kind of yet in the process? And he wrote, he said sure. So it kind of a few days ago we know they met with D'Antoni. It now doesn't feel like a D'Antoni announcement is imminent. And the fact that he's saying it could be six days, it could be ten days, well if it's gonna be D'Antoni, then surely that would just be the, the pick, you know, that would be announced pretty soon because he met with Jordan a few days ago. And they're now looking at people who they didn't even interview with first time round. 
So, for me, I kind of wonder if D'Antoni's out and why that would be the case. Um, we can only speculate. Um, uh, everyone's, you know, it's not a secret that Mike D'Antoni is an experienced head coach and he will probably have certain financial requests. And the Hornets are still paying James Borrego. It's been reported by Jake Fisher that they're a bottom five kind of front office and, well, in fact, I said bottom five paid coaching staff in the league. And maybe Mike D'Antoni isn't willing to, to be come to Charlotte for a bottom five head coaching salary. So that could be one of the reasons for the impasse. Um, th there could be other just philosophical challenges. So all the kind of the concerns that some people have had about D'Antoni, his ability to relate to players, his age, um, what other staff is he going to look to bring in? Um, maybe they, they kind of met with him and they want to discuss about some of those things further and they, they don't feel he's quite right mix. Obviously, Steve Clifford got announced uh, the day of the draft as a, as a guy whose name has surprisingly come up. People hate ever hiring someone who used to be a head coach because you just feel like you're going backwards. Um, and I get that. Worth mentioning, Steve Clifford never got fired from the Hornets. His contract legitimately expired. Um, and they just didn't decide to bring him back. They decided to go for a rebuilding coach in James Borrego for player development. But Steve Clifford has the best winning percentage in head coach history for the Hornets at 47%. Uh, he took this team to the playoffs twice. He won playoff games. I, I wouldn't be a huge proponent for him to be the head coach. Um, but I would really like him maybe to come in as a like lead assistant or a defensive coordinator. Would he do that? Would he kind of take that step back after being head coach in Charlotte? Would that be weird for him? I don't know. That's, you know, that's down to the individual, the coach, and it depends where they're at in their coaching journey. He's been a, a coaching consultant with the Nets, helping Steve Nash this past year. He worked with Dan Tony in Brooklyn. So if Dan Tony was the guy, which again, I mentioned before, it feels more unlikely, but if he was, uh, there's a, an established relationship there maybe between the two. Um, obviously, some new candidates they've not interviewed. Well, you know, they didn't interview Quinn Snyder because he was still coaching the Utah Jazz when they were pretty much going through their process. So I think that would obviously be a popular name amongst Hornets fans. But Kupchak certainly didn't feel like he was in a, in a rush to get a new coach. Um, he kind of essentially said that a coach would not have affected our draft process. It's not going to affect our free agency process. He did mention about free agency, which we're going to get into on, a, on another podcast uh, on, on probably Saturday evening. Um, which will be, be interesting. Looking forward to that podcast and we'll talk about some of his comments there. But he, he essentially said that they're going to be mainly looking at retaining their guys and not to be looking to make a splash pursuing other people, which is kind of expected. Um, but we'll, we'll get into that at a later date. So that pretty much sums up my, my overriding thoughts on draft night. It was a chaotic one, especially in the first round. Um... It was a fun one. Uh, it was the first night that I was doing podcasts, writing articles, going to cup check media availabilities on the same night. It was it was a lot of work, but we just want to thank all the readers for the site, uh, all the listeners on the All Hornets Podcast Network. We've got loads more content coming around free agency. Dra uh, the, we'll be looking back at the draft. We'll be looking at NBA Summer League. I'm going to NBA Summer League myself. Uh, I will be there for the Hornets-Lakers game on July 10th, which I'm very excited for uh, in my first ever time in Vegas. Um, but yeah, make sure you go check out sihornets.com. We've got incredible amounts of content from the draft, 
Um, we had our second best day in website history yesterday during the draft, uh, which was really exciting for us. So I just want to say a big thank you for all the supporters. Uh, we've got a lot of good stuff coming planned. Um, no fancy intro or exit for this. The other thing to mention is not only did we the file corrupt uh, after we recorded our original live podcast, but my Mac, which I do all my podcast mixing in and editing, that also decided to die about two hours before the draft. So I can't add the intro to this podcast episode. I'm sure Big Pat will have to forgive me, uh, but I'm going to try and get that sorted as quick as I can because we have free agency coming up and I could really do with the ability to edit podcasts right now. But um, thank you for hanging in with the solo pod. It's a real shame that Chase uh, couldn't be here uh, and, and we lost that original recording because that was a lot of fun. But I think this is probably maybe a little bit less rambly anyway because we, we knew who the pick was. Uh, and just thank you everyone for being with us on draft night. This is a big summer in Hornets uh, kind of history. It feels like a pretty seminal moment this summer. It's not gone as planned so far. This draft night, again, did it go to plan? I think for the Hornets, it probably did. Um, for a lot of fans and their agenda of what they wanted to see, probably not. So we'll have to see how the team deal with that. But that's it for now. Thanks a lot, and we'll chat with you soon.